Welcome, friend. This is I Need Thee Every Hour, a podcast dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are listening to your ministering sister, Casey Mills. Welcome back for part three of the Divorce Twilight Zone. Hopefully this is the last part. Um, I'm going to just try to summarize things um, in the uh, half-hour time slot that I have um, because obviously I could get into the weeds with things and I don't want to do that. Um, For one, I don't want to feel like I'm justifying myself so much. It's all in the past and things have um, definitely uh, changed. It is all in the past now. Um, And so, you know, for me, thinking about these things too much, uh, talking about it too much can kind of bring things up for me. Things that have resolved, but I'm very good at remembering how things felt. (laughs) (laughs) And feeling those feelings again can really kind of throw me for a loop. And I also think that talking about these things uh, too much, uh, thinking about them too much uh, can kind of uh, re-anger me, but also invite a bad spirit in uh, to uh, invite it into my surroundings, to my body, to my home. Um, And it can affect everything in my life. And I've been kind of feeling it lately, just even just talking about this. Um, That being said, I know that this was something important that I needed to address. Uh, I don't know who all it is that needs to hear this. Maybe, um, Maybe it's one person, maybe it's multiple people, but it just feels to me like there are people out there that could use this advice. And so it's worth it to me to just address it, get it out there, and let the Lord use the information um, how he how He wants to. And then I can, you know, essentially tuck it away and say, this is in the past. I don't, I'm not dealing with this anymore. It's not in my face anymore. And I am so, so eternally grateful for that um, because it was a very, very dark time in my life. And the Lord uh, carried me through it and gave me many, many blessings to help me to get through it. And I just, I couldn't even, I could not even begin to express in in words how grateful I am to my um, heavenly Father and my and my Savior um, for salvaging my life and my uh, integrity and my self-worth because nothing makes you feel more worthless than being married to a narcissist and then subsequently trying to divorce a narcissist. Um, So anywho, um, I one key thing that I felt would be important to talk about is this idea of being a follower of Christ, being a Christian, and and how that translates into going through a divorce. Now, for me, I actually was not planning on divorcing my previous spouse. I, I, 
you know, um, the example that I had had was that my parents kind of stuck it out until I was an adult. I was the I'm the youngest of six kids. And so my parents kind of waited until I was 18, Um, even though they separated when I was 16. They waited to officially do anything until I was 18. They were like I said before in the last episode, they were extremely amicable uh, toward each other. Um, They both kind of really saw the writing on the wall. My my mother has expressed that she felt that the Lord was telling her it's it's time now, you know. Um, so even after all their years of marriage, it just sometimes it divorce is the right thing. And I know that there are people out there that will disagree with me and people want to believe, oh, these people just gave up. But that is not always the case. And I I personally don't know anyone who went who has gone through a divorce like actually literally went through and finalized a divorce that was just purely quote-unquote giving up I know people that have been through very very difficult situations and 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 divorce is not something that people take lightly I think some people think divorce is too easy to um to obtain um but I would beg to differ I think it's too easy to get married. I think there's more that should be done. But now looking back, I don't think 18 is old enough to to be considered an adult, to be able to to um, legally be able to uh, sign a contract, a marital contract. I I, I and I have a, a one friend in particular I can think of that totally disagreed with me. She got married similar to me she got married at 18 and married a guy 10 years older than her and she insists insists however many years later that it was the right thing for them so great good for you good for you my experience is very much to the contrary i think 18 is too young and i think a 10 year gap is too is too wide of a gap um and that's just my experience and maybe that was just purely because that was me and that was him and like I said, every every situation is um, personal, is, um, you know, uh, subjective, I guess is how I would say it. Anyway, um, I, I think when you go into, okay, so for, for me, I, I was planning on, I had already made an agreement with myself that I was going to wait until my kids were grown, or at least pretty darn close to it. Um, I was just going to stick it out for their sake, just keep keep things together um, and just deal with deal with him as best I could. Um, and, and a lot of that was I was just kind of avoiding him for the most part. I was allowing work and school to um, be a, a, a distraction and a bit of a, a uh, yeah, a way to um, block myself from having to be around him and his family and um and that was working pretty well as far as me being able to avoid the <clears throat> the kinds of scenarios that I was trying to that caused the most um issues between us um I but why that was not a long-term solution is because that is not a way to have a marriage um and inevitably, you will end up in a scenario where you, um, you it looks like the grass is greener on the other side. And you might start to look around and say, wow, these people uh, have a much better situation than me. Or this 
man or these men look like they are a better spouse and would be a better spouse uh, to me than my own spouse. Um, It's a slippery slope to uh, be in that situation where you are just purely um, living like roommates. And, uh, And I know now that the Lord does not want people to live that way. You are either growing together in your marriage or you are growing apart. There is no riding the fence. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. You're either growing together or you're growing apart. That's just my my understanding of the way marriage works and the way the Lord intends for marriage to work. And so, uh, you know, we, me in my previous marriage, there was no growing together because, and, and there was no growing on his part, period. He, he wanted to stay stagnant. He wanted to you know, be be a golem, as I mentioned, and I wanted to get healthy. I wanted to become uh, a better person. I wanted to not. I, I wanted to grow in my career. I I didn't want to be living off of uh, government aid any longer. I wanted a, a bigger and better home. I wanted to be able to take my kids on vacations. I I had goals and aspirations. I wanted to. Uh, fix things within myself. I wanted to grow closer to um, uh, my Lord and Savior. I wanted to have my kids uh, be, be become more successful than me and make better decisions than I had. And I just had all these goals and and a and a growth mindset. And when you are married to someone who does not espouse those same desires, that really causes a major rift. And there also was a very key problem in, and, 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 and I don't know how many people really want to talk about this, and I will say this isn't, this isn't a very kid-friendly uh, subject, so be sure you don't have little ones around listening to what I'm about to say. Um, you, uh, sex and uh, sexual uh, connection, intimacy, uh, physical affection, all those things are so, so important. They are so key. They are not just for making babies. They are not just for satisfying the, you know, natural urges. Okay, yes, men typically want it more than women. I mean, we could go over all these things that we all know and, um, you know, people want to make jokes. People want to act like it's it's trivial, or they want to act like, well, it it's it, it it's more important than it should be, or whatever. The fact is, if you're not on the same page with each other, if you do not have a mutual understanding, if you do not have a mutual respect, if you do not have a way of coming together in in, in a way to satisfy the the um, sexual intimacy portion of your marriage, then that will kill things I, oh, so, so quickly. And that was definitely something that was a major issue, major issue in my previous marriage. Um, I had suffered um, uh, sexual uh, trauma um, before my marriage. I suffered sexual trauma within that previous marriage. Um, 
I, I'm not sure what all he had dealt with. I, um, he had expressed certain things, but, but he lied about a lot of stuff too. So I'm not totally sure what, what all the truth was about that, if he truly had been uh, molested by someone or, or what all um, had occurred with him. I do, um, there was the, there was an issue with um, pornography for him. Um, and I, so I take a very, very strong stance against pornography. I know there are people that think it's a good thing. And I know that like, for me being in the throes of, of someone who I believe had somewhat of a, a sexual addiction, um, if they can just go and take care of their business and leave me alone, um, it can seem like a good thing. Like, sure. Yeah. Whatever you got to do, buddy. <laughs> just don't touch me. You know, that's not a marriage. That is just, it's sick. It's just a sick, a, a, a demon, a, a sexual perverted demon has entered into the equation and needs to be gotten rid of post haste. But it, but it's not something that the wife can handle solely um, on her own. Or, or say the role is reversed if it's the wife dealing with the uh, porn issue. Um, it, the husband can't be the one to address it. It has to be the person with the porn issue. Um, and, and it, that definitely ruins things big time. Um, so, and I know that, like I said, I can't speak for, for him and all of his experiences. I still don't totally know what all was going on with him. I tried to address it and, uh, there was a, a marital counseling, um, session. I can't remember if we went to one or two after we separated. We had tried to do marital counseling before in in our marriage, and that really um, went over like a lead balloon, and then it, it happened again. Um, but that's mainly because you cannot come to any kind of real um, meeting of the minds or, or make any real progress if both people can't truly bring it all to the table and 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 self-reflect and be honest and you know think about the other person um for for me going into it and <laughs> incidentally the the therapist that we had gone to after separating um was a member of our church and was someone that we had been referred to by our uh church bishop um, but this woman, which I, I – something that I have found when dealing – at least in dealing with my narcissism um, person, he was very, very good at getting women to side with him and feel sorry for him. Very good. Like, scary good at it. And here's the therapist – you know, I supposedly trained in, in marital um, issues, but I'm no dummy. And I knew what he'd been doing up until that point, And I knew what was going on. And I knew he was trying to turn her against me. And I knew she was falling for it. So, yeah, <laughs> not a surprise then that I didn't go back. 
I was just like, nah, this isn't going anywhere. You're trying to get her on your side and I'm not doing this. And then he went and saw some other therapist. He had told me, uh, like a personal therapist, but he was telling me about the therapy and this therapist was just commiserating with him about his own ex-wife. And they both were basically sharing notes about how awful their ex-wives are or whatever. And I and I said, newsflash, buddy, that's not therapy. You just made a friend to go to the bar with, basically. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know who these therapists are that you're finding. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you. It, it, but you do, right? You, you find the therapist that works for you. You find the doctor that works for you. You find the friend that works for you, right? When, when you, if you don't really want to grow and all you want to do is make someone your enemy, you'll find whoever supports you in that. And that's exactly what he did. <laughs> he, he didn't want to improve. He didn't want to say, what's my part in the failure of my marriage? Why did my wife want to leave me? <laughs> what, what did I do to keep it together? What did I do to cause her to want to leave? No, there was never... Never any kind of discussion like that. Not that I'm aware of anyway. It was all about me. I was this. I was that. I did this. I did that. And I just plain put him in a horrible position, supposedly. So it just, just immaturity. And just basically, I had gotten to a point at the end, at the very end, why I finally decided to pull the trigger. Um, I had... I had expressed to my, finally, I, I came to a, a realization and I hadn't been sharing anything with anyone, but I finally came to my sisters and expressed to them my concerns about my marriage and my situation and just really felt like I needed some guidance um, and they were able to express to me that there was some that it wasn't all in my head and that I wasn't um, just giving up. They were able to tell me what I needed to hear and give me some sound advice. These people get, getting sound advice from people who know you and love you is is um, priceless. And and then with that, I was able to um, pray and get my own confirmation that the Lord did intend for me to uh, leave him and that that is what would be best for everybody. Um, but as we know, um, following promptings, following the Lord's uh, path for us does not mean that there won't be roadblocks. And uh, and I would say a, a major mistake that I made was that once I had gotten that confirmation from the Lord that I was to divorce him, I did not come back and pray fervently about important things along the way. I kind of just was like, oh, sure, this this seems right. Oh, sure, this seems good. This this feels like the right thing to me. But without taking a moment, you know, maybe going to the temple or or just take really, truly taking time to pray. I, I didn't I didn't know what I know now about prayer and my own. I didn't have the kind of relationship with my Heavenly Father the way that I do now. And I've learned so much. And I know looking back that I, I should have taken it more. I should have taken it more seriously um, than I did, which sounds like I dip. I wasn't taking it seriously. I was, 
But in my mind, when you are a Christian, you're trying to be Christian, you I, th- I think that's a, a, a misconception that we have is that that means we've got to be like Christ. And what did Christ do? He, it, from what we can see, it looks like he allowed people to crap on him. Didn't he? And he allowed it. And he then asked our Father in heaven to forgive them. And he... He, uh, but he did what he, what he was supposed to do. And he's the son of God. And he knew, he knew everything going into it. He knew, he knew who he was, for one. He knew who all these other people were. He knew what his purpose was in, in, in being here on this earth. And he was fulfilling that. And he had angels to minister unto him. He had he had everything that he needed to be able to accomplish what he was supposed to accomplish here on this earth. And we know that he did accomplish it. He literally accomplished what he was supposed to. I am not the son of God. I am not a perfect being. I was not supposed to just let my enemies just inflict whatever they wanted on me. But I had gotten myself into a situation where I was having to allow certain things because, because our, our Father in Heaven works with us where we're at. I needed to turn to Him. I needed to humble myself. I needed to follow the promptings even when it was hard. Even when it looked like things were getting worse, I had to continue to have faith and trust and and know that he was going to make it all right in the end. And he has. And that's why this is so important for me to be able to put this out there to anyone who is willing to listen to me. That you make mistakes, but the Lord, but the Lord can make it right. And it might not be easy and it might not happen overnight. I know for me it took years. And it looked like I had made some major, major mistakes but I think it's important to continue to pray, continue to pray for guidance. I, I had gotten to where I had to literally pray and pour over even every email response. Every email I got from my ex-spouse uh, and then before I would send out a response, any anything I did, any little thing, I had gotten to where I had to pray and I had to get strong confirmation of how I was to respond and how I was to handle it because every time I got any even an email from him I it would send me into a, an emotional frenzy um, I, I know now that he was trying to get a reaction out of me he wanted to fight with me um, it was critical for me to not be in the same state as him it was critical for me to have communication be the way I was the way I was having it and to not react to him uh, in order to diffuse things. I learned things through the Holy Spirit that I have since read research and and details about the way it works with narcissists, the way you're supposed to handle things with them that I didn't know. I didn't know he was a narcissist. I didn't know that's what I was dealing with. But I look back and I'm like, wow, when I was letting the Holy Spirit guide me, I was handling things exactly the way the experts say to handle it. 
Because who is the grand expert in all of it? Our Father in Heaven. He knows each one of us. He knows what's going on. He knows what's best. And he was able to help me navigate it. Basically, there is a time and a place for turning the other cheek, for forgiveness. But that does not mean that we don't fight back fire with fire when when it matters, when it would be in our best interest, or, or especially for our children's sake. Um, one of the things that I was duped on in my paperwork that I know if I had hired a lawyer to represent me right off the bat, I know that they would have caught this. Um, I thought that I had made sure that I was getting that everything was basically being um, that no no one had the upper hand over anyone else. That was what I wanted. I wanted everything just you know split fifty fifty. No one's paying anyone child support. No one ha- has the right to unilaterally decide anything. We were going to handle everything uh, fairly. Each get our own you know a fair shake at things. So I I thought that by the paperwork, I'll just say this, okay? I'm I'm not a lawyer, okay? I'm not a lawyer. I never have been. This is just my experience of dealing with the family court system is that it didn't matter that in my paperwork it said joint legal, joint physical. That meant jack squat. I didn't know this at the time. I know it now. But because they made it a point, they told me this was just boilerplate, okay? That was a lie. And when I say they, I'm talking my ex-spouse and his brother who is a lawyer, was a lawyer. I, I don't know if he is still. I assume he is still. Anyway, they told me that it had to be specified the residence, the primary residence, and the primary caregiver. And that proved to be the nail in the coffin for me because it did not matter. Nothing else mattered. All that matters is that he was listed as primary custodial and that the children's primary residence was listed as the same residence as him. And he may have well he may as well have had uh, sole custody and I had no rights because in order to enforce anything, in order to do anything, I had to, I had to go to court. And even then, I wasn't always taken seriously, especially when I had no money and I was representing myself. I really wasn't taken seriously. Any help I got was purely divine intervention. I have many, many stories about that, and I really don't want to get into all of it. It's very upsetting, very upsetting, very painful um, situation. But I would say, in retrospect, and what I would give as advice, non, you know, I'm not a legal professional. My advice, hire a legal professional, and not just any legal professional. Get a referral from someone who knows and has used that lawyer because I used two lawyers that were terrible that not only did not help me but they actually made things worse 
finally, finally, through a really amazing referral, I got an amazing lawyer who really turned things around. But we're talking years and tens of thousands of dollars later. Like, if I had just sucked it up and found the way to hire a lawyer right off the bat and found the money to pay for it, whatever I had to do, that is what I would have done differently. That is what I would say to anyone who is even remotely considering a divorce. Seek out a lawyer. You each need to have representation. And you need good representation from someone who knows family law. Because you you don't know. You don't know what your soon-to-be ex-spouse, what kind of a person they're going to turn into. You don't know what kind of a person you will turn into. You can say, I'll handle this, great. But if your ex-spouse starts trying to keep your kids from you, or they won't let you have your belongings from your house, it may turn you into someone that you didn't know was hiding inside of you. It's just... It's a really, really scary, scary path. Um, it's scary without a, a lot of help, a lot of resources. You need to find people that actually care about you and your children. I know that was a big thing for me. I just didn't have the support I needed um, around me, living near me. I was not confiding in, in people. I was trying to kind of just handle things on my own, and that was a mistake. Um, I was trying to be agreeable, and that was a mistake. Um, you know, it, no, what do they say? No good deed goes unpunished. So you got to be prepared to, you got to be prepared to take whatever punishment that may be. And so if you don't know if your good deed is the actual one that the Lord wants you to perform, then <laughs> maybe you're not prepared to take the punishment for it. So it's important to stay close to the Lord, even even when you're feeling angry, even when you're feeling like you just want to strangle that person. <sighs> anyway, um, that's all I want to say um, on, on this subject, unless the Lord prompts me um, <clears throat> further in the future. I would rather discuss more uplifting things um, if I can, but uh, but I think this was a key thing to discuss. Well, not discussing it with anybody. I'm just talking at you. But um, just know that Heavenly Father has a plan for you, and your Savior is there for you. And whatever is out on the horizon, you will be able to manage it. You will be able to get through it. Stay close to your Heavenly Father. Stay close to your Lord and Savior. And keep keep individuals close to you that support you and will support you in staying close to uh, the Lord. God bless you. Whatever you're going through at this time, I, I pray for you. And I, I, I do. I, I pray for those that are listening. Um, because I know that you're listening because the Lord has uh, told you to listen. 
and I hope that my my words can give you uh, encouragement and and you can feel of your Savior's love for you and have uh, have a, a motivation to move forward in, in Christ. Thank you. <laughs>